Hey, what is up, good people? It is your host, Jordan Malone of The Midnight Drop. Thank you guys so much for coming into a brand new episode of The Midnight Drop. I know we just dropped an episode yesterday with some pretty cool people, but we got a special episode for this Sunday afternoon. We actually got someone very special, and that's actually Kayla Smith, who was actually the first attendant of the Spellman course. Hey, what's up, Kayla? Hi, everyone. Yeah. So with that being said, it's great to have you over here, and it's great to have you guys over here, my lovely audience. So if you're new to the Midnight Drop, thanks for dropping by. If you're a recruiting member over here, just listening in, it's great to have you again as well. It's been a great week so far, actually great last week, to be honest with you. But if you're new here and you want to go know more information, you can go ahead and leave any comments, concerns, considerations at the comments section down below on Instagram or any other platform that you're listening on here. Or you can send your comments, concerns, considerations, and rants to 615 underscore chill at the DM. Or you can go ahead and email me at jordancammon, C-A-M-M-O-N, at outlook.com. Also, if you want to go ahead and check out any other episodes, check all of the platforms down below in the comments section, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, I, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, including the Instagram channel, and www.themidnightdrop.com. And with that being said, let's go ahead and kick into this brand new episode of The Midnight Drop. All right. So, how, hey, Kayla, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing chilling. Uh, started this out a little bit later than it needed to be, and that's all my fault. I keep getting confused with the time zone since I'm living in Nashville and you living in Atlanta. So, yeah, my fault on that. I completely understand. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all that, I'm great. It's glad uh, to have you on here. I've been thinking about having you on this show for a minute. Uh, the week has been pretty good so far over here for the podcast. On Monday, we had Kennedy over here. Uh, Kennedy London, who works with the Maroon Tiger, who is doing a lot regarding movie reviews and also just uh, TV shows for them. And then yesterday we actually had a talk on black psychology with Anna Sinkfield and David Arnold. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just been great to have you here. But uh, but enough about what's been going on with this platform. Uh, tell us about yourself and everything. And just give us a full breakdown for the audience. Sure. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Kayla Smith. I am a graduating senior international studies major with a diplomacy concentration from Stone Mountain, Georgia, but I claim Atlanta. Um, I wear many hats at Spelman. I'm an honor student. I'm a member of the social justice program. I am the first attendant to Miss Spelman College for the 2020-2021 school year, and I am the founder and director of the official podcast for Spelman College, The Blue Record. And that's dope. Yeah, that's real, real dope. And uh, go ahead and tell us about what the Blue Record's all about. I know that's a podcast that you founded and collaborated with Spelman College with, and you've got a lot of people on there, and I've been uh, a fan, and I've listened to it a little bit. So go ahead and tell us, uh, what's that all about? Sure. The Blue Record is a collegiate podcast hosted by the students of Spelman College, and it is grounded in memory work, the archives, storytelling, and just preserving the voices of Black women and femmes that matriculate through Spelman College. Um, we were established April 11th, 2020. So this is our one year anniversary. I'm very excited to have it. Um, it's just been a wonderful year. I would say this project is an extension of my team and I's love for the Spelman community, our commitment to justice work. And you know, finding ways to preserve and continue the rich archiving of Spellman and the legacy that it 
it breathes and it produces. So that's just a little bit about the podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, what made you really want to get into creating that podcast? I know a lot of people, including myself, uh, get into podcasting for a numerous amount of reasons. Uh, For yours, uh, it seems like it's something that I'm still that I still like really wanted to know and everything. And I know it has to be regarding social justice. So like what made you get into it? Sure. As I mentioned earlier, I wear many hats at Spelman, and one of them is I serve as a social justice fellow. A part of the program, there's a requirement that fellows either create or sustain current or social justice initiatives on campus. For me, I loved all the initiatives that already were on campus, but I felt like something was missing. And, you know, ever since I got to Spelman, I've always found myself in the archives um, doing archival research for school projects or fellowship work. And, you know, in my experience in going to the archives, I realized that Spelman women and students from back then are in conversation with us today. A lot of the things they were talking about in the 60s, 70s and 80s, we still talk about today. So I thought about what type of project or platform could host the voices of those who came before us and the voices of those who are currently matriculating. And I thought, why not a podcast? I didn't want to do anything with video because I wanted people to really listen to our voices and hear our stories. Um, I think that's the beauty of podcasting. People can really focus on your voice and the story of what you're producing. So I came up with that idea in fall 2019, got it approved by the social justice director, and I got to work and and getting to work, figuring out the name, the team, and I got all of that together March 2020. And then literally um, when I was getting ready to, you know, paint the podcast studio, We got shut down, Spelman, the AUC, due to the severity of the pandemic. And I was so scared because I was just like, how am I going to launch this podcast? You know, we were going to record in the studio, but we got innovative and we pivoted as a team um, and we made sure that we launched. And I think in launching in April 11th, 2020, and just in launching during the pandemic, the Blue Record has served as a connector for people who Miss Spellman and who are still navigating sister siblinghood outside of the gates. So that's just a little spiel. I hope I didn't ramble. No, it's all good. It's all good. I love it when people uh, go into detail about their, these p- things, like their creations of their podcast or just what they love it for. Uh, it's very interesting to know that you started your podcast around the time in the early stages of the pandemic. Well, more or less the early stages of our, of the pandemic and our lockdown. Uh, as you know, everybody sent back the AUC kind of told everybody you don't have to stay you don't you got to get out of here you don't have to stay here but you got to get up out of here and uh it became a a real issue uh just for everybody to get through that do you feel like do you feel like your podcast has kind of like reached some people during those crazy times including now where things are getting better uh vaccines have rolled out and more people are more aware about what COVID is and how to stay safe I think the podcast has done a wonderful job of just reminding people that as students of Spelman, we're still connected outside of the gates and we're still in conversation with each other. Um, Our second episode actually focused on the pandemic in its earlier stages. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure my team will cover uh, 
what life will be like when people return to the AUC in some, you know, in some capacity in the fall. Um, but I think we're, I think we're just initiating conversations and putting them on a platform and centering Spellman voices on concerns, social justice concerns, health concerns. Um, and I, I think that's the part about the podcast I love the most. Mm-hmm. We are really documenting um, this experience we're all in to do this podcast virtually and never once be in person with each other. It's probably taboo. I think most podcasters who work with each other, they're typically with each other in the same room or mm-hmm. recording. So to know that we've been able to produce quality content, content that resonates with our student body, that keeps our student body engaged, curious, it's rewarding. And I'm thankful for everyone who has supported, listened in, left a review. I appreciate all the support. Um, and I say that on behalf of the entire Blue Record. No, that is that is really nice. And I can relate to kind of just not being able to be in a have a podcast and not being uh have people in the same room. I think for me, when I started out, I think my starter minds around like May, because you know, I have like this interesting story about how I just used a gift card to get like the first couple of pieces of equipment for it. And I asked you for some help around August time to see like, how can I expand and also some stuff with the Maroon Tiger. But uh, yeah, I can definitely understand with just not having people in the same room. You got to like think outside the box. And lately so far has been working out for me. And, uh, and it definitely seems to be working out with you and everything. You've made some guest appearances uh, and you've also done some things on Instagram live. If I saw uh, two days ago with Miss Spellman, correct? Well, that live was in the capacity as a queen. Um, it had nothing to do with the blue record, but yeah, I keep active on social media. Okay, okay, that's dope. That's dope. My fault on that. But uh, with that being said, uh, what are the things that you feel like with the blue record you guys can improve on down the road, uh, especially with uh, you being a senior and continuing your, uh, you know, continuing your pathway to your career into helping your community and everything. Is there any things you felt like can be improved uh, things that you're really proud on for just starting out uh, besides just starting in the pandemic and trying to be creative? Or is there any other things you wish to see it improve? I would say I have left a solid foundation that's ready to be built upon. And I'm so excited for the next cohort of leaders and um, engineer producers on the podcast. I've already selected the new senior team with the help of my senior team and the world will know who they are in May after our final May episode for this um, academic year. Mm-hmm. In terms of what we could have done better, uh, my team and I as a whole, we've talked about it. Um, this was a pilot program, a pilot project. And Though it may not have felt like it, all eyes were kind of on us from our adult supporters to our peers in the Spelman community and with the AUC at large. Um, I think we navigated the struggles of it all. And I think the biggest struggle was just how to stay connected in a virtual setting. Because, you know, we're students first. Um, This project, yeah, it's a labor of love, an extension of our love. But, you know, as students, there are times where things can be daunting. And we all had different personal struggles in the fall and spring. So navigating that 
plus releasing monthly content that is reflective of our justice work, our care and our thoughts, that took a lot of time, a lot of labor. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the foundation I've built with my team um, will allow for more breathing room and ease of the different roles. And now that it looks like Spellman, Morehouse and Clark and most schools will be returning to some type of hybrid mode in the fall, I think that will help with the balance, the transition, and just the continuation of the project. Um, Even if it had to go virtual again, I'm sure the girls would do phenomenal. But I do think um, what could help with the improvement of the podcast is if people could see each other. I think that could help with the connections between the host, um, more of our content. We can do more um, maybe IG lives with current students. I think being back on campus is one way that will help things improve because I think we all miss each other, physically speaking. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's uh, that's really dope to kind of look at the, some of the things that you guys can improve on and what you guys can go fix forward. I mean, that's that's how things grow. That's how you do it. You look back, you, look, you acknowledge the things you've done right, you acknowledge the things that you can do better on, and you just keep pushing forward with that in mind. So with that, I want to go ahead and start asking uh, some stuff regarding the podcast, but just some things that really are important to you that I felt like will be important to important for me to understand. But when we had talked about the blue record and uh, just kind of going through it, you acknowledge it as more of as a safe space uh, for black women, for Spelman women. And it, it's very, it, it's very much just uh, nice just to know that it is a safe space but into that, I want to ask this question. So does it seem like are there are there not enough safe spaces for women nowadays or before? I know we're in this time now to where we're acknowledging that we need more spaces for women. But do you feel like there needs to still be more improvement to that? Do you feel like we're kind of reaching to that stage to where we're, we're pretty much now good? Or are we still just lacking behind on that? And for you, how do you define safe space for women? Sure. So let's look at the context of Spelman College and Bennett College. In the United States, those institutions are the only two institutions that focus on Black women, spaces Mm -hmm. for Black women. Two, two institutions. That's it. So when it came down to choosing schools for me for college, you know, I wanted to go to a space where I knew I would be nourished intellectually, where I would be challenged, where I could gain salvation from the fellowship with other Black women and femmes and non-binary folk. You know, once we leave Spelman, I see why our alumni are so passionate about the school. I see why people give back in numbers. There is no place like Spelman There isn't. And that's the reason why I wanted to make sure the podcast was creatively produced and sustained by Black women, femmes, non-binary folk that matriculate at Spelman. And there's a reason why I said no men will be a part of that production, because this society that we live in, this world, has been dominated by different systems that, you know, center men. And at that, white men. So when we start thinking about where Black women are, we are 
Black, we are women. And that means that sometimes our voices are not going to be centered. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create a space so that Black women could take up space and center their stories, their truths as collegiate women. You know, people don't always ask college students what's on their mind, what their thoughts are, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might say they do, but I don't know. I, I, I felt like at Spelman, we have so many opinionated, brilliant people walking through those gates, coming and going. And I wanted just to add on to the archives we have growing at Spelman. You know, Spelman is one of the few places that has an archive that centers Black women, Black collegiate women, and that is um, preserved and taken care of by a Black woman archivist. That's rare as well. So to continue that conversation, that work in a digital format through the podcast was my goal, my overarching goal, because each episode will eventually wind up in the archives so that when I come back as a golden girl, and I think I would come back for my golden year in 2071, I plan to march across the arch and to go to the archives to hear the first episode from the Blue Record all over again. So it, you know, to your initial question about is are people doing enough to create spaces? No, is the short answer. Because I don't think spaces were always intended for marginalized folk mm-hmm. when we think about dominant spaces. And that's why Spellman. Bennett are special. Okay. I think uh, that's, I think that's a really, that's well-spoken right there. Put it out there. I think that was cool. Uh, You said this in your initial response, in your response about how that's, you know, we have this, you guys have this as a safe space for women. uh, And this is, this is like, so there are some reasons to why we don't like you guys don't allow men to come in and speak on the microphones, even touch the microphones from a conversation we had a minute ago. And I I know that there are some people, some guys, I'll just say some guys who feel like that's counterintuitive, that's counterproductive because uh, to quote, to quote a person uh, that has talked about this is that what, don't you believe that's sexist? What's your response to that? And just, Like, how do you feel with that? Because in my opinion, I don't think that's the best thing. I don't think what the critics are saying or actually putting their mind into it. I don't think they're thinking about it. But what do you think? What's your response? And has that ever happened to where a guy has just shown up and just say, like, why can't you have any guys in your show, man? Well, no guy has ever stepped to me that way because I think (laughs) – Well, let's just be honest. I haven't met someone so audacious yet to do that to me. Also, I think it's because some men are intuitive enough to know that they may not be equipped to have a conversation with a woman like me. So that's number one. Okay. Number two, um, I don't know what the problem is to not have a space that is controlled and creatively produced by Black women, it's not sexist. Um, 
Because when you think about sexism, racism, classism, they move into hierarchy. There's no woman hierarchy or female hierarchy or however you want to say it. When it comes to sexism, when you think about that hierarchy of gender and also remembering that gender is a social construct, when you think about that, who is always prioritized? Who is in the dominant um, arena? Men. So in a, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm getting chopped up. No, it's okay. You're good, you're good. I just, I personally don't understand what the problem would be. To me, there is no problem because it's important for marginalized groups to take up space. Mm-hmm. And for a person like a Black man or a man or whatever, for a man to have an issue with that, oh, whew, I... I could go off, but (laughs) it's Founders Day. It's the first anniversary of the podcast. I would prefer to keep it cute. But my point is, um, one, I haven't met anyone that audacious to step to me like that. And I doubt they will because they know they wouldn't be able to handle a conversation. And two, you know, it's not sexist, period. It's not. No, I understand. No, I understand. By the way, happy Founders Day. I apologize for not putting that out in the beginning of the show. But I I will say that the reason why I brought this up and I'm, you know, this type of question is just something that just pops up, you know, sadly in schools like Morehouse and around these, you know, these guy circles. And I will say that, you know, for me, it's best to kind of go ahead and learn from things like this, learn from you know, podcasts like the blue record and understand why those safe spaces are important. I don't think that, uh, I don't think these things are sexist because there's always this thing about like how guys want to try to go ahead and have like a word in edgewise or something, even if they don't even want to, it's just the fact that when they want something, it's the fact that when they know that they're not allowed in something, like the blue record or unlike in places where people tell them you can't be here, they get very mad. And then those types of men will just so and say it's sexist or it's counterproductive or like it's an echo chamber. Uh, I have some, I have disagreements with that. And I believe there are important reasons why we need safe spaces for women. So, and in that case, it's just like, you got to look at Morehouse. You got to look at Spellman. You got to look at it. If you're saying it's wrong to have a safe space for women, like the blue record, like Spellman, then why? Then you should go ahead and turn around and say, "Oh, morals is a problem because they only allow all men." Like, does that kind of make any sense? No, I completely lost you. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's I, I don't understand why black women cannot take up space, or if we do take up space, it's a problem. That's my question. Why is that a problem? That, that you know, that, mm-hmm. that one is just that one is always going to be something I do have questions with. First of all, I apologize for making it seem lost. <laughs> That's my fault. But I think it's just a problem. I think it's always going to be a problem for a lot of guys because I guess because they just don't. I guess they always feel like they want to adhere to gender norms. Or always feel like they got to adhere to. But that's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Again, gender is a social construct. We're gonna we're gonna have to get a woman's studies course at Morehouse oh, or somewhere. I don't for all men to um, 
have, because I think what needs to happen is one, we all need to decolonize our mind on how we um, think and treat each other. Mm-hmm. And we have to stop limiting how we respect or treat people to just archaic stereotypes rooted in gender norms. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you can do a reverse, it, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not revolutionary as you may think it is. It's not. Um, all I will say is this, for those who have a problem when marginalized folk take up space, ask yourself why. Why is that a problem? Mm-hmm. Because it always, right. yeah, because it always seems like, because it always seems people have a problem, but they never ask like, what's the reason for it? They just say they have a problem and they spare I mean, their feelings. Yeah. And you can have your feelings, but go work that out on your own time. <laughs> you know, you're not going to disrupt the work my peers and I are doing. And I think that's why I haven't heard a critic or anything like that, because even if I did hear it, you're not going to disrupt the work, the necessary work that we are doing. So you can boo-hoo-hoo, you can cry, you can yell at a wall, throw a fist in the air. I don't know. And I truly don't care because I think it is unfortunate when people do not respect when marginalized folk take up space and do not see the need for why they should. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, Next question. No, no problem. No problem. I, I really do like the responses you've given, given me, and it's helped me learn a lot as well. So with kind of like the next thing I want to go into, uh, you know, we both live in the South. We both live in an area where the governments here are, are kind of just not kind of, they are fucked up, where we've recently seen the state of Georgia pass the voter rights bill uh, regarding you know, you can't give out food or drinks to people in line. You need voter identification. Uh, you need identification to go ahead and be allowed to vote. Uh, you need all these different things to be allowed to just be able to vote. And they re- reduced the amount of places to put in absentee ballots. You saw in Missouri where they go ahead and put in these strict abort, you know, abortion rules and also these transgender laws uh, that restricts the you know, restricts the amount of people who identify as transgender to play in middle school and high school sports here in Tennessee. They're trying to draft up an abortion law regarding if you, you know, get an abortion uh, by someone who raped you, then the person who raped you can go ahead and sue you or the person who aborted the baby, the woman can go ahead and go to jail. With that all being said, do you see any change to where we might see something like Georgia be fully blue for the next couple of years after responses like this? Or do you feel like this is something to where we need to go ahead and pack our bags and get the fuck out of here? I mean, I think a lot of people have talked about getting dual citizenship, leaving the country. I know Ghana's on my list um, to consider for dual citizenship. But here's the thing. If people do intend on staying in the South where you grew up, if you know, you, you claim the South as your home, you know, one thing you're going to have to realize is that the justice work that occurred during the 2020 election. And for those who are in Georgia, what occurred in the 2021 Senate election, that was due to years of labor and resistance by black women, activists, and organizers. Mm -hmm. Never, 
ever get it twisted. The South truly does have something to say. And it may have taken 10, 15, 20 years to turn Georgia blue, but they did it. Um, I think a lot of people think justice work is a tweet, a hashtag. It's something quick and it can happen. No, it takes time. It takes care. It takes commitment. And for those who are concerned about Georgia and or any Southern state turning it blue or keeping it blue, join the conversation. Learn from the women and men who laid the groundwork on what is needed to sustain momentum, because that's what's going to keep Georgia and any Southern state that does turn blue, blue especially in light of the new voter suppression laws that are now sweeping the South. I believe Texas, uh, their Senate passed one. Of course, Georgia's was the first SB 202. And yes, it's a hot mess what um, those Mm -hmm. bills represent. And it's very inhumane and it's very um, concerning because it's a breach in our democracy, But of course, when you use verbal camouflage and you respond with white lash because an election didn't go your way, people will say that it's to help when really it's to harm Mm -hmm. and harass uh, brown and black voters. But my hope is that if we are all aware of what those bills represent, we can continue to keep that momentum. And we're seeing that work already happen with the... um, Leader, like through the leadership of Stacey Abrams and her initiative, Fair Fight, and other brown and black women throughout the South who are connected through these rich activist networks, who are in conversation and strategizing ways to combat these oppressive legislative attacks on our democracy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Georgia in the South can remain in term blue as long as we remember that to keep that momentum, we have to be in conversation. We have to be willing to do the grunt work. And we also have to be willing to understand that it took time. You know, there are people who have been working in Georgia for years. I believe the New York Times did a cover piece on a Black woman who had been working in Fulton County to get people registered for 20 years, Mm -hmm. 20 That's a lot of time. That's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of commitment. So I have hope that it can turn blue. But I think we also have to get past Democrat, you know, and turning things blue. Because I feel like once we get, not trapped, but once we all focus on, oh, we want, ah, well, hmm, how do I want to say this? Let me say this. When it comes to turning things blue, great but that's not the end of it either Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like okay we changed we turned the state blue okay there's another democrat in congress that's great but we need now to have the conversation how do we keep our elected officials held accountable right Mm -hmm. because there are some democrats that are moderate and very conservative So when we think about Democrat, I don't think I I want people to be clear that Democrat does not mean liberal or progressive. (laughs) It's a little more humane than some, but well, some of them have um, more humane beliefs and policies that are inclusive of others. But again, I, I want people to realize that a part of the work of keeping these states 
blue or turning them blue. It's also in doing the research and the grunt work on figuring out who these politicians are. And it starts by being aware of who's serving you and your community at the hyper um, local level. So your mayor, excuse me, your chief of police, your um, city councils, state reps, state senators, your U.S. reps and senators. You got to do your research on who these individuals are um, and see if you want to support them and making sure you keep other people aware of who they are and what their policies are, thinking about what they vote on, um, their beliefs, what they're committed to accomplishing um, accomplishing in their um, elected roles. So it it's more than just turning states blue. It's also about the people who turn the states blue and the people who will represent the states that are now blue. So it's a larger conversation, but it, at the end of the day, it's rooted in keeping the momentum of um, engaging with brown and black communities to continue mobilizing to um, have our vote reflect our needs. Okay. So with that, I want to go ahead and try to branch off to this other question. And I agree with a lot of the things you are saying. I want to branch off to this other question, though. Uh, this is something that's been kind of, kind of been like I've been thinking about a lot for a while, especially with how the pandemic has gone, how testing has gone, how vaccinations have went, and how the government response to this entire pandemic and everything that happened in 2020, including in 2021, has been a cluster fudge, but you talk about, you know, Democrats and like, you're not really, if just because you're a Democrat, you're not really just a liberal or anything like that. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like the two party system is something that needs to be looked at and reviewed? Do you feel like the two party system has uh, just caused a lot of the things to go the way they are right now? Or do you feel like there is still significance to that system? Uh, do you feel like there that it needs to stay here for a reason? I think one thing I've learned um, from a conversation I had on America Amplified is that binaries can binaries can have. Um, oh wait, let me just say this: binaries can limit the scope of an entire view. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, because, you know, you have to think about the political spectrum. It's vast. Like I said, there are Democrats who are Democrats, but they lean on the conservative side. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to give a name, but let me not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you want to, cool. I'm cool with it. I prefer not. I do plan on having a career in politics and it's better not to burn bridges. You know, it's okay. No, it's okay. Always got to keep it diplomatic. But um, yes, I, I stand behind the statement that there are people who are Democrat, but they vote and lean in favor of conservative um, policies and laws um, and vice versa. So, you know, I this let's just be honest. Uh, the two-party system is also sustained by money, um, donors, corporate America, um, even grassroots organizations that support and fund the campaigns and um, the uh, folk who are in office. Do I see the binary two-party system leaving anytime soon? No. Um, The United States likes to keep things 
not doable, but change in this country takes time. You know, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. No, let's yeah, be very does. honest. It, it takes does. a long time. So for it to depart from the two um, party system, I highly doubt it unless we do have someone who um, runs um, independently and they win. And of course, in this country, we haven't seen that yet. But then we have people like a Bernie Sanders, who's an independent for Vermont. And, you know, if things would have worked out um, in, well, during the uh, election season, and he was the blue party ticket candidate, who knows, things may have been different um, in terms of moving away from the party. But even if you look at the Republicans, the GOP is currently going through, oof, tumultuous time to be honest Mm -hmm. because they're having they have different groups within the GOP now you have your conspiracy theorists and what's that group called um I forgot their name Uh, like you got the far right conspiracy you have the conspiracy theorists you have the racist you have the sexist well let's be clear um racist i'm not gonna say that there's only one subgroup of republicans that are racist we're not gonna say that oh, on this yeah. call yeah you're right. um, <laughs> but i'm also not going to project on who i think is a racist or not but to be clear you have your far right you have your conspiracy theorists you have your old um gop money folk like the Purdue's, your cheney your mitt romney then you have your new folk who is it a and on yeah, QAnon, QAnon. QAnon, that's what it's called. So you have your QAnon folks. So what we're seeing right now is that the Republican Party is so stratified that they're not even, it's kind of like you don't really know their identity anymore. So I think that's the next, that's really the question of the two-party system. What is the identity? Because for so long, it's been uh, the Democrats are for all folk and the Republicans are for folk handling things on their own. Um. Or for a subset of folk, i.e. the 1% for the Republicans. So, you know, I I think what's happening now um, is that we're seeing that the identity of these parties are stratified. And it's going to make it very interesting in these four years for Biden to rally support, especially thinking about some of the um, initiatives he does plan to push through Congress and have people vote on and consider. But Mm -hmm. I'm very curious to see what happens. Yeah. And with that, you know, and with that being said, you know, the two party system, you are right. I mean, you have republic the identities, the identity of the Republican Party is, is just very much scattered. It's not really known uh, as much as you've seen a lot of division uh, inside of that party, a lot of wishy washy stuff uh, with just Mitt Romney just saying stuff about Donald Trump just saying, I don't like this. And then getting, you know, verbally attacked at airports. You have others that are saying, I'm not really doing this. And you even got people like Kemp and Blackburn, uh, Marsha Blackburn and uh, uh, Greg Abbott just becoming like Donald Trump's underlings and just doing really stupid stuff like response to the whole snowstorm in Texas. Uh, and, you know, I, I feel like, in my opinion, it can be definitely reviewed. Uh, the two party system. I don't think it needs to be abolished or like completely changed, but things need to be looked at and see because you are, it's a, it's a corporate game. It's a money game. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there is one, I believe a Senator or a representative or in the Republican party that actually helped uh, pass 
this law for regarding DMCA's that like if you you know illegally stream music or have that any for any time you can get up to one to two years of uh, jail time. It turns out through research and investigation by people who worked at Twitch, it turns out that he was being funded by these music labels, uh, movie groups, entertainment labels, and now and that he was getting paid a lot for their services, and that's why he was pushing that law a whole lot because that meant more money for him. And uh, mm-hmm. since the law has passed, there hasn't been any, like a, a crazy thing where people have been arrested, but it's made a lot of people in fear, and that really goes into that money game. I mean, um, I'm not saying I well, I'll say this. I don't know the direction of the two party system, but I do think in light of what we're seeing in the Republican Party, it is showing that there needs to be a redefining or a reset on how these parties function and especially on who their target audience is. Um, And we're going to see what they do between now and next November to help with the reset of their identity. Because currently I think um, the Republicans are trying to do some type of damage control, but it's looking more damaging when you have some of these um, red states with Republican governors pushing voter suppression bills. And I do think the Democrats are going to use... um, use these uh, recent strings of oppression um, for the ballot to increase their chances of keeping their spot or bringing in a new sweep of Democrat. Because, you know, if you look at the Senate, the Dems barely have control. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris has to, nine out of 10, always have to give the final vote. That is how um, tight it is. So the 2022 uh, election is going to be very interesting um, because it's going to really show um, the pulse of this country, how much we're willing to take. Because at the end of the day, some stuff is just nonsense. Um, You know, just I think back to SB 202 in Georgia, the fact that if you stand in line to vote, you can't receive water, food, Mm -hmm. Like, there, it's just some things that are nonsense. They have no logic, and you can't sway me that they do. So I think people in this nation are frustrated with the nonsense of certain individuals in power. And I think that also might be a reflection um, of who is elected and removed from office in the next election. Especially when we think about the gubernatorial elections for Georgia and other Southern states for um, governors. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think it'll be very interesting to look in these future elections to see how things will go. And uh, it always there's a lot of things that always catch that catches by surprise. A lot of things that are very interesting down the road. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice to go in and see how that goes. And uh, yeah, man, that's all I was going to say about that. With that being said, that'd be kind of the last thing. That we'll talk about for this entire episode. Kayla, I want to thank you guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was really nice to learn more about your podcast, uh, your love for Spellman, and your thoughts on just the political spectrum into today. It was really nice to have you. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Yes. And thank you guys for tuning in to the Midnight Drop. I know it's been a long week of episodes, uh, movie reviews, just talks. 
everything from here and there. You just got a political side of the Midnight Drop. So if you want to go ahead and listen to this podcast or this episode in particular, go ahead and follow all the platforms. Also follow me on Instagram at 615 underscore chill. Kayla, where can they go ahead and follow you and also the Blue Record? Well, you can follow the group, um, excuse me, you can follow the Blue Record at the Blue Record on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And yeah, follow the Blue Record. <laughs> All righty then. Well, that is it for today's episode of Midnight Drop. Thanks so much for dropping by. And if you have any comments, concerns, considerations, go ahead and DM me or go ahead and send out an email at Jordan Cammon, C-A-M-M-O-N at Outlook.com. But that is it. I'll see you guys later down the road. Be on the lookout for an announcement on my Instagram page regarding future episodes for this week and the following week. This is the Midnight Drop. Peace. Peace.